0: Oh gosh, I've had like the most incredible week, and uh, one of my favorite things to do is to stand up before you and say, I am barely here, folks, like this is a really hard week, and that always means one thing, it's going to be a really good Unchained, <laughs> and I love that, so there's something in me that just refuses to quit, and I just will not bail um, when this happens, and so we just... Trust God, but you know what today is, or actually next week, uh, I wanted to highlight that next week is our our one year anniversary in our building. <laughs> yeah and i don't I don't know exactly why, but I kind of feel like that's significant, and um, I always feel like uh, there's something that happens right before Easter, and I see. Uh, And this is very typical year after year, lots and lots of deliverance. Um, I see lots of people going through a dying process just before Easter, emotionally, spiritually, uh, in lots of different ways. And then I just think that it's a real truth that we're going to experience some of the same things that Jesus did. And I always feel like we go through our own kind of crucifixion and resurrection in different areas of our life, and Easter is having more and more significance to me as I just kind of understand more and more um, why and what the resurrection represents. And so, you know, I feel like next week is very significant for us in a, a number of different ways, and... I don't know if you know why we call this tonight Unchained, but the reason why we call it Unchained is because we, we come in here uh, with all of our junk and our pain and our rejection and our suffering and things that we're dealing with and struggling with, and it feels a little bit like chains sometimes on us. And then we worship God and we set our face toward Him, and I don't know what, how you think of it, but what I think of, Uh, When I think of Unchained and sort of my covenant with God about Unchained is that we'll come here and help each other kind of lay that stuff down at his feet and we'll leave it here. And then God, you know, that's my promise to God is I'll help people get to the feet of Jesus where they can just kind of lay down some of that stuff and let you take it and lift it off of them. And then his promise to us and what makes it a covenant is that he always comes and he touches us in a significant way and heals us and fills us and um, loves on us and pours his spirit into us and we just don't leave the same uh, as we came in whenever we we make that commitment to the lord and so that's why we call this unchained is because as we worship god and as we um, give him the opportunity to come and touch our lives in pretty significant ways then that stuff just falls off of us and I think that, you know, some of us are even going through our own kind of crucifixion and resurrection process, even, um, you know, maybe not f- literally, but spiritually, there's things dying in us, and that God wants to resurrect new life and breathe life into us, and the old will pass away, and all things will become new. And I always kind of feel that a lot around Easter, and... Uh, this year, I don't know why, but Easter has some, I've learned some things about, about Easter and about resurrection in the past few months even, and it's making me more and more excited about Easter. And so I'm going to share a few things um, tonight about why I think it's significant. And I got to tell you, Michael actually saw my notes, and I wrote this a month ago, and uh, he saw it and he heard me talking about it last month, and he stole them. And so, like his message this morning was my notes. (sighs) I'm serious. That rarely happens. Rarely happens because I hardly ever come up with something interesting enough for Michael to want to preach about um, before he comes up with it. But everything, like my main points and my my passage and everything, I sat in here and said, "That's my notes." (laughs) He stole my notes. He even took my book off my desk and used some of my quotes. So he's not here because he didn't want to be busted publicly for that. But um, what I think I'm going to talk about is I'm going to emphasize some different things than Michael did. So if some things feel a little bit familiar, um, don't think that we don't communicate at all (laughs) or anything. It's just that he stole my notes. A little over-communication there, I think, you know. He took what I wanted to talk about, turned it into three messages. Oh, one thing I wanted to say before um, next Sunday, uh, I don't know if you know this either, but we have about at least 50 cars, and they're all mostly staff and volunteers that are serving throughout the morning, that park over at Lowell School. We think that next week we'll probably have uh, an absolute fiasco in our parking lot um, in between services. And so if any of you feel so inclined and you want to be part of um, our parking over at Lowell crew, we'd love to invite you to do that. We probably could use at least another 50 or 60 cars over there. It'd be great if we could get 100 or so, 120 cars off-site next week. And we have a shuttle that just goes back and forth from Lowell to church, constantly starting at 630 to well after the last service. So there's no way that you get stuck here and you can't get back to your car because it's always just a constant thing. and just keeps coming back and taking people back and forth. So if any of you feel like you want to be part of that and help us next week, that would be fantastic. Or you could just, like, parachute in. Or I'm sure you can think of some other creative ways. Uh, or carpool or whatever would help the, the, whole, the whole thing work out better. Uh, like Michael said, we have you know, 3,000 invites, and if you didn't take candy bars, we still have a few, and it's really important you take them today, because obviously next week is Easter, so whatever we don't, we don't have go out, um, we're stuck with, and they keep them in my office, I am the most trusted one, that's why the candies in my office, um, when it comes to the chocolate around here, and, but you can take them when you leave, please, if you would, and just help us continue to pass those out, because we still have some left. Alright, so I want to talk just a little bit about um, the kingdom, and I want to talk about kind of, in a real personal way, some of the reasons why the kingdom is so valued to us and and to me personally. And for me, the kingdom is really the only thing that I've ever, ever, ever seen uh, in 25 years of ministry that really brings healing and change to people who are very, very lost and very desperate. And there's a prayer in Psalm 43 that I think still rings true today, and I think the whole world and all of God's creation cries out, whether they can articulate it or not, that they have had this deep ache down in their soul, and this has been going on for generations and generations, and this prayer says this, Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. So they're like crying out for somebody to lead them to the light, for somebody to lead them to the holy hill and to where, God, where they can experience God. And so as light bearers, I think of ourselves as light bearers in his kingdom, we are the answer to that prayer that we see in Psalm 43. And the whole human race and all of God's creation and everyone that you know that is trying to live life wants what we have to offer there 's this this ache, this deep, deep ache, and so for me, the kingdom of God is uh, the mission it 's the only thing that is going to work there 's no better calling for me to embrace than to learn what it means to be part of the kingdom and to ex- and to bring that to other people to be one of. God's light bearers. And so somewhere I think along our life's journey all of us have to kind of reckon with this experience of of when did I when did I get filled up with the light and the truth of who Jesus is and who God is and what he has done for me and you know when did I believe that what he did for me was for, for all of us was for me And I internalized that and I began to experience him and and experience his presence and started to abide in him and he began to kind of abide in me and it became something very real and very tangible for us. And so all of us, all of us, whether we're willing to acknowledge or not, we crave this authentic and this genuine experience in this relationship with God and then because You know, we are in utter desperation, and we see the light, we experience the light and the love of the Father, we begin to be led from that place of desperation into adoration and to worship, like we are experiencing when we gather and worship the King here. And because of what Christ has done for us, then our eyes are kind of opened to the presence of God, and then we start to have this communion, this two-way relationship with Him, and and eventually you can't keep it to yourself and a lot of people that come here say they come here because somebody invited them to come here because their lives were so being changed that they couldn't they couldn't keep it to this to their self anymore and so we stop just saying what's true and we start to actually live it we start to actually do what we say And we start to pray for the sick. We start to feed the poor. We start to cast out demons. We start to bind up brokenhearted people when we meet them on a day-to-day basis. And we forgive people whenever we're sinned against. And we uh, ask the Holy Spirit to come and change us from the inside out. And we start to reveal in action this incredible love that we've experienced. I love the story in Luke. There's two people on the road to Emmaus. Michael's going to preach about this next week, because it was in my notes. Um, But Jesus, you know, has been crucified and buried, and now, although he has risen from the grave, they believe that his body has been stolen from the tomb, because it's missing. And so they've, they've been through the whole, you know, crucifixion, everything, burial, and they're headed home, they're walking home. We don't really know who these... Two people were, but all of their hopes are absolutely smashed and shattered. The Savior, the one that they thought was, was, had come to save uh, all of Israel, they saw him uh, you know, do these incredible miracles, and they believed him. They put all their hope in him, and then it just kind of disappears before their eyes because he gets crucified, and he gets buried, and then they can't even find his body anymore. And they forget that he said he was going to rise again. And so they're walking home, and they're totally confused, they're very upset, and all of a sudden somebody appears with them, Jesus, in his resurrected body. And I don't don't know if they just thought he walked up the road behind them, not sure exactly how that happened, but he shows up, and he just starts walking along with them, And and he asks them, why are you guys so upset? What are you talking about? So clever of Jesus. Like, he didn't like, he didn't need to ask. He knew what they were talking about. They're talking about him, right? And, and he shows up and he asks them, and they don't even recognize that it's Jesus. One, they don't recognize it because they're so disappointed, and they're just under this heavy cloud of disappointment. And, and even though Jesus is, like, right there, he's just, like, walking in their presence, they didn't, they didn't see him. And that happens to us as well a lot of times when we experience disappointment. And I want to read you a quote, and it's out of this book, my book, that's on my desk, The Challenge of Jesus by N.T. Wright. And it says this. <laughs> Maybe I need some healing prayer for this. It <laughs> <'cause laughs> just keeps coming up. Um, and it says this about these two, these two disciples. And this is, really, this is a really powerful quote, I think. The thorns and the thistles of their world have been puzzling enough And they stand in sorrow and shame with their hopes in tatters. Following Jesus' astonished exposition of Scripture, because as they walk along, Jesus starts quoting Scripture to them. They come into the house. Jesus takes the bread, he blesses it, he breaks it. And when he did that, probably by the power of the Holy Spirit, their eyes are opened and they recognize him. They thereby, at that moment, become part of the vanguard for God's project of restoring the world in which his image bearers take his forgiving love and wise ordering, that is his kingdom, to the whole creation. Jesus is risen, and God's new world order has arrived. The exile is over, not just Israel's exile in actual and spiritual Babylon, but the exile of the human race which has been shut out of the garden. The new world order does not look like people thought it would, but they must get used to the fact that it is here and that they are not only its beneficiaries, but now because they've experienced this, they are also its ambassadors and witnesses. So all of creation cries out, send your holy, send your light, Send your light and your truth. Let people lead me, lead me to the holy hill. Lead me into your presence. Let the people who have experienced your presence show me how to get there because I have this deep ache in me and I can't figure it out. I can't find Jesus. I can't find the answer. The church today, and Michael said this briefly this morning, but the church today, as followers of Jesus Christ, we live in this really bright interval. And you've got, you got to try to wrap your mind about, around this. But we live between this bright interval between Easter and the final great consummation when Jesus comes again. That's, that's where we live today. And the Garden of Eden is a really good picture of, of what the new earth that's going to be remade is going to be like, because in the beginning, God made everything just the way he wanted it. He created it good, and he intended it for his purposes, and there was order, and there was harmony, and there was unity, and there was abundant blessing, all the animals, all the trees and the fruit, nothing lacking. There was no shame, no blame, no blame shifting or sorrow, and then sin enters the world, and it's all fractured. It's fractured uh, in our relationship with God, Our relationship with God is fractured, our relationship with ourselves is fractured, and our relationship with other people is fractured. And since then, it's always been under repair. So the whole of history and future, everything that you read in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is about the Father pursuing us and restoring us into that perfect relationship, that perfect harmony. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen in the final consummation. And because of that, there's something really significant and powerful about Easter. Because John says, and he says this very clearly in John chapter 20, verse 1, and then he says it again in verse 19, that Easter day is the first day of the week. So that's why we call it Resurrection Sunday. The first day of the week is Sunday. And so he makes it very clear that. But it's important to understand this. He's not just saying simply that Easter day happened to be on Sunday so that we would put it on the right day of the calendar. He he wants us to figure out that Easter day is the very first day of God's new world. Have you ever thought about that? Like when Jesus rose from the dead, that's that's the first day. Easter morning is, is the birthday of the kingdom of God being at hand. It's a birthday party. It's the very first day when the kingdom came to earth and started that restoration process. And so we live in this interval between the first birthday party of the new world and that final consummation when Jesus comes again and it's all made instantly new. We, have all, we all have our resurrected bodies. And I don't know what that's going to be like. I think we're going to zing around. <laughs> I'm going to the moon and back. Like, that probably really quickly, in my resurrected body. <laughs> you think it's okay to make plans for your resurrected body? <laughs> I do. I do. I, I heard Derek Morphy you talk about this once, and he said that you know think of your body at its prime. And it can move through matter, and you can still eat, and you can still hug people, and you get to enjoy the Garden of Eden, totally renewed, remade, no sin. I'm thinking, okay, my body in its prime, I'm going to be a chubby little angel, that's what I'm (laughs) going to be. (laughs) Oh, it just makes me giggle. So we live between Easter, the first day of the new world, and the final consummation, and so following Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit, here we are, commissioned, commissioned. Because we live in this interval to be for the world what Jesus was for Israel. He did it for Israel. Now we do it for the rest of the world. We bring them. We bring them to the light and the truth. And we bring them to the holy hill. And we bring them to the presence of the king because we've experienced the presence of the king. We've experienced the light and the truth. So we lead them there. We are for the world what Jesus was for Israel. Do you get that? It's cool. It's cool. We are the light bearers of the kingdom of God. And here's one of my favorite things, that this redemption and this reshaping of our world cannot fail. I love that. Have you ever been a part of anything in your life that cannot fail? this is it. Everything else, everything else will fade away. It will pass away. It won't reach its destination. It won't come to conclusion. Everything else except the kingdom of God. It's the only thing. It cannot fail. I don't know about you, but there's lots of causes that will pass away. There's lots of things that ultimately will not come to pass. There's, there's lots of things that will not ever, ever, ever be realized. But the kingdom of God is that cause that has eternal impact and it cannot fail. And the fruit of the kingdom of God lasts forever. You're banking it for eternity. Do you
1: know how long that is?
0: That's a long time. So there's this really important continuity and Somehow you got to wrap your mind around this. you got to appreciate this because it's what helps you go on year after year after year. It's what helps you get out of bed on a bad day because you have the task of shaping God's work, his new world, his kingdom come, his kingdom at hand. And it can't fail. doesn't matter if you have a bad week. It can't fail. And so I can get I can, get a, I, get, I can get excited about that because it really, really doesn't matter. There's nothing else, nothing else like it. It's the only thing that's that eternal, that for sure, that realized. Continuity. You're part of this big continual process of reshaping the redemption of God's world. Let me read you this passage out of 1 Corinthians 15. And in this chapter, Paul gives a really detailed and a complex picture of the final resurrection. And he talks about the nature of the new heavens and the new earth and our future resurrection bodies. And Michael read it this morning. <laughs> but I like it when I read it too. Um, and little different, little different things stood out to me than him. So starting with verse 27 1 Corinthians 15:27 When everything and everyone is finally under God's rule and I read this out of the message the son will step down that's the final consummation taking his place with everyone else showing that God's rule is absolutely comprehensive a perfect ending And why do you think, Paul says, I keep risking my neck in this dangerous work? Gosh, that's what I feel like this week. I look death in the face practically every day I live. Do you think I'd do this if I wasn't convinced (laughs) of your resurrection? And that mine was guaranteed by the resurrected Messiah, Jesus? It's, I love this, he's very emphatic. It's resurrection, resurrection, resurrection. Always resurrection that undergirds what I do and say and the way that I live. If there's no resurrection, then we eat and we drink and the next day we die. And that's all there is to it. But don't fool yourselves. Don't let yourselves be poisoned by this anti-resurrection loose talk. Think straight. Awaken to the holiness of life. No more playing fast and loose with resurrection facts. Ignorance of God is a luxury that you can't afford in times like these. Aren't you embarrassed that you've let this kind of thing go on as long as you have? He's bringing quite a bit of correction to the people in the church because they were ignoring that Jesus had, was resurrected. They're saying it didn't happen. But let me tell you something wonderful, a mystery I'll probably never fully understand. We're not all going to die. But we are all going to be changed. You hear a blast to end all blast from a trumpet, and in the time that you look up and blink your eyes, it's over. On signal from that trumpet from heaven, the dead will be up and out of their graves, beyond the reach of death, never to die again. And at the same moment and in the same way, we'll all be changed. In the resurrection scheme of things, this has to happen. Everything perishable taken off the shelves, replaced by the imperishable this mortal replaced by the immortal. Then the saying will come true, death swallowed up triumphant life. Who got the last word, O death? O death, who's afraid of you now? It was sin that made death so frightening. And law code guilt that gave sin its leverage, its destructive power. But now in a single victorious stroke of life, all three, sin, guilt, and death are gone the gift of our master Jesus Christ. He says, thank God with all this going on for us, my dear friends, stand your ground and don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the master, confident that nothing that you do for him is a waste of time or effort. Your labor is not in vain. See, part of the point of bodily resurrection is that there's this this vital and important continuity because the new world, the coming kingdom has already come and it came with Easter and it came with Pentecost and because everything done on the basis of that, of Jesus' resurrection and in the power of the Spirit is already being banked up. It already belongs to the new world. I think the kingdom of God is very real, very present and Jesus ushered it in. And we live in that tension of the already and the not yet. And, and if Jesus' work on the cross is my foundation, and, and then I continue in that kingdom work, and, and you continue in that, and we're building on something that is a guarantee, there's nothing like it. So no matter what you do, all of your work and all of your ministry and every time you reach out a hand and pray for someone that's sick and every time you put your feet on the ground and push back the enemy and say I will be filled with the Holy Spirit today. I will let your kingdom come in my life. I will be your light. I will be your truth. Then it's not in vain. It's all for something. I mean you're not oiling the wheels of a machine that's going to go over a cliff. It's not exciting. I mean, you're not building God's kingdom on your own efforts. You're following Jesus. You're shaping this work, this new world by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's going to stand forever with everything else will not stand, but that's going to stand the test of eternity. And that's something I can give my life to. I'm really excited about Easter Sunday. I'm really excited to be part of the the continuity, the big picture, the comprehensive plan. I'm really excited to be part of the the kingdom of God at hand, right here, right now. I think people are going to come into the kingdom next Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday, right here, sitting in the same chairs that you're in. And I hope there are people that you know, people that you took the risk to pray for, and help get here, and help get a parking place. I really do. I hope they're people that you've been praying for, because you are the light. You are the truth. You are. You know. You've experienced God's, God's life in you. Why don't you guys stand up, and why don't we have the worship team come back up? My prayer is, is that if you need to be resurrected from something, I don't know what, but there's something that you feel like, gosh, this is killing me. I need to get rid of it. That you would do that tonight. That we would come around each other and help each other get connected to Jesus, come right to his feet, and that we wouldn't walk in and out of here the same. And that this week, you'd feel like you're part of a big plan. You're the light, you're the truth, you're the image bearers. You're the answer to the prayer in Psalms 43. And that next week, we could celebrate like we've not celebrated, That it would even be bigger celebration than any celebration we've had on Resurrection Sunday because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. I'm going to pray, I'm gonna, I've asked these guys to come and just give some words for ministry time, and what they feel God's doing. You know, you know that you can respond to anything. We don't have to say it, right, for you to get prayer. Um, you just re, you're responding to, not to us, you're just responding to, to what God's doing in you. So Father, would you come right now? Father, I love this truth that you've been speaking to me, and I love what it means for us as a church to be light bearers, to be image bearers, God. And wherever we feel really weak tonight, like, gosh, that sounds fantastic, but I don't know if I can do it. We come to you with that, Lord. I come to you with that, Lord. We just come to you with our weakness. And we lay our weakness down at your feet. We ask that you'd lift it off of us and fill us with more light and more truth and more healing so that we can burn brighter and truer. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord. Why, wow, we just confess that we don't always have faith for such a big. Important job as being the image bearer of God. Would you give us more faith? It's not about us, it's all about you. Fill in us, and that when we're weak, you're strong. let the Holy Spirit come here and this is our time to just respond to what God's doing we don't manipulate we just prefer to kind of dial down and let God come and touch you in meaningful ways we're certainly happy just to bless that and come alongside and pray for you and
2: have these guys just give a few specific words that God's speaking to them Uh, so the first thing I felt was I think there's a a handful of people here who are experiencing a lot of loneliness and um, you've actually even tried to pursue just some community and friendships and it feels really confusing because nothing's really taking and yet you still are feeling lonely
3: And I I feel like
2: it's something that actually God wants to tweak and do in your heart That other people aren't going to fix That um, a new girlfriend or boyfriend isn't going to fix But it's something that Jesus actually wants to do So, if that's you, keep that in your mind Because we're going to pray for you tonight I also felt like... um, Brenda was talking about us being the light that's going out and inviting people to the kingdom. There's some people, people's hearts who just were pounding when that was happening. And um, I feel like God has, and we're all called to it, but God has a, a, a bit of an anointing or calling for some more people in that, that you're called to actually gather people um, almost as a vocation or a is a special calling over you. So if you felt something, however it is that you feel that, maybe your heart pounded or you got sweaty or you just felt that feeling, um, I think God wants to just empower you to do that even more deeply and
1: powerfully. Um, I had a, a couple things I felt like God was uh, just highlighting to me as we were worshiping. Um, One of them was uh, when Jesus unrolled the scroll of Isaiah, um, and I just wanted to read it if I can juggle my Bible here. And this is at the beginning of his ministry, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has set me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And I felt like God was saying... In both in saying two things, number one that that's for you, like there's some of you that he is uh, your, your freedom bearer he's the one who's seeking to bring you freedom from oppression, to bring healing in your life, but then also that he's empowered you and he's called you to turn around, and like Brenda had said, just turn around and bring that freedom, that healing that life and that hope to others, and I just really felt like he was pressing that on my heart so that was one thing. I felt like he, he shared another thing. Um, I had to jot these down because as God was speaking to me, I started crying. And, <laughs> and uh, um, you know, sometimes I just feel God's heart um, as he's sharing things like this with me. One of them, uh, another thing, and I, feel, I felt like this was for actually a handful of people. Um, just a, a deep sense that God is proud of the choices uh, that you have made to say yes to him and yes to his kingdom and there's uh, lots of stories throughout the scripture um, of people who have said yes to him and I felt like there was one in particular got it highlighted um, of this servant girl who uh, tells this guy name and kind of her enemy and this in the Old Testament tells him that here's where you can find your healing and here's where you, you can deal with this he was dealing with leprosy and she didn't have to do it she could have just laid down and said you know what I don't have to extend God's grace or God's love, especially to somebody that I don't care about. And yet she made the right choice, and she extended God's love. And I just felt like his heart was, for some of you who have made just incredibly hard choices, choices to say yes to him, even when the odds were stacked against you, even when life was hard. And just there's this incredible sense that God is proud of you, and he wants to bless you and extend his love to you today. And I felt like the other one. Lastly, that um, we were singing the the one song, and the, the refrain was, "Many waters cannot quench um, cannot quench my love, or cannot quench your love." And I felt like um, God just simply said, "I love you." And the you know, as I as I pictured this, you know, I, I pictured him standing uh, across from. Uh, it was actually a guy, um, and a guy did a k- typical guy thing and just said, "Yeah, thanks." <laughs> not really a lot of emotion. And like God leaned in and said, no, I love you. And it sunk in a little deeper, you know, and almost like embarrassed at the extent of God's love. And God leaned in again and said, no, I love you. And this person just began to break down and weep. And I feel like God's love is just something that he wants to penetrate your hearts today. And for some of you, maybe you haven't ever experienced that. You've never experienced the depth of his love and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And he just wants to, to fill you more and more with that.
0: it's good. It's good. Holy Spirit, would you help us hear what you want us to hear of all those things that are highlighted? I feel like you just have to kind of open up your hand and reach out and touch the garment of Jesus, and then he does his part. So would you do that even now by coming up? Just respond, whatever, whatever the word was. People are going to just come around and pray for you, and they, they can ask you what you're responding to, but why don't you just respond by coming up across the front here. you love us so much that you don't leave us the same ever 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 never leave us stuck you have so much for us Jesus so much more than we know come father father would you pour out your spirit on the church would you pour out the holy spirit on the church so that we can go out and be the church. We just say, yes, Lord. We open up our hearts and our hands and our mouths and say, fill us with you so that that's what comes out. People don't get us, they get you. Help us, Lord, we're weak in this. Come, Lord. Fall on the church. Welcome you, Holy Spirit. The presence of God is just like flowing all through this place, and all you have to do is just stand and let it rain on you. Just let it wash over you. Just let it come. Come on. You bless what you're doing. If you need physical healing, we are seeing lots of physical healing lots of deliverance stuff Uh, power of God is available it's at hand we want to pray for that before you leave so please don't leave without coming up and getting prayer for physical healing we're just going to worship we have ministry team people that are just going to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and just move around and just bless what God's doing they may ask you what you responded to so they can pray But God's going to do the hard part. He does all the work. It's all spirit to spirit. So even if a hand's not laid on you, you have the hand of God laid on you right now. Don't be distracted by the people around you. It's between you and God. I'm just going to worship, and the ministry team people want to come up and begin to pray. I love that. Well,. Well, this takes a long time here and just pray through everything that God has. So just stay where you're at and just engage and receive from the Spirit.